Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I want us to be Christians. I really do. And um, even as Julie was speaking this morning, just for a moment about the... Now listen to me for a moment, if you will. Just going to share for about three or four hours out of the word. But at first, you know, like one of the, I forget who it was yesterday, they just, just asked a simple question, you know, well, what can I, how can I, what's some practical steps you know, to go forward and to know God? And, you know, we're teaching on the Holy Spirit, like I said. And, um, And so I talked about how, you know, what's happened with me is I said one of the major things that you, some of you have heard me say, I think God said, just said very categorically to me. I, when I asked him years ago, he said, I want you to stop reading, skimming the word. He said, you don't mean to, but you do. And, and, and basically it's when he said to me, I want you to read out loud every time you read the book. When you find that place alone, read the scriptures out loud and then secondly he said again he said learn to read slower read out loud and listen to the words you know faith does come by hearing and there's something that's um, just stronger when your ears really listen and hear his word come out of your mouth it's true And it's the thing that's impacted me the most in my life as far as my study. But the other thing, you know, one of the big words in Scripture to me in the New Testament is the word yield, where it says we're to yield our members as servants of righteousness to Christ. But the word yield is all through Romans. But again, this issue of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within us. But as we know, there's a great difference between the Holy Spirit being within us and the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And miracles and the manifestations of the Spirit begin to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He is a gentleman, like I said. He, in, in, but just what I felt to say just before I read these few passages <clears throat> that I'm going to read is that, you know, Scripture says that well, Paul himself said over and over again, he uses this phrase, prompted. Prompted by the Spirit. I went into Cappadocia. Prompted by the Spirit. I went there. What have you. And you've heard me teach before about it, but I just feel like I need to remind us. You know, the word, even for the word, the word, the Greek word spirit, remember, is the word pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A, like pneumatic. You know, like air pressure. But in when you look at it in the actual lexicons, it, it simply, it means to breathe. It means, it literally says a breath. A breath, pneuma. And we're to be led by the Spirit of God. Again, aren't, aren't we? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the adult sons of God. We're to be led. But think about that then. When the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is inside of you to guide you into all truth, right? Just say yes, anyhow. That's, you know, there's three major things. He's come to reveal the Father, you know, like it says, to transmit, to declare, disclose, to reveal to us. The will of the Father. And it says he's come to show us things to come. Because God never wants anybody to be caught off guard. You have to release faith for that. That's the truth. He does not want you to be caught by some surprise. He said the Spirit of God would show you things to come. And again, that he would teach you the Spirit of truth, even whom the Father will send. He will teach you all things as, way, as God has taught me, as God has Revealed them to me, Jesus said. But promptings, he prompts us. But how easy, just... If that's what we have to listen for, how easy is that to be missed? Do you know what I mean? And it is, it takes practice. Yes, it does. But the point is, every single one of us... He wouldn't, he wouldn't say that we could be led by that if we couldn't be led by that. But dear God, particularly today, please do everything you can to practice being quiet at times. You really, 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 if you really want God, you know, we can preach. You can come to the, 
the best churches in the world here are the best preachers on earth and you can really enjoy you know being preached at or not being preached at or you feel like you're doing your religious duty or whatever but for God to actually I hope that somewhere within every single person's heart there is the actual desire for God Almighty to show himself to them really so that it's more than something that we do just for the sake of doing it otherwise like Paul said we should just all go home really but the fact is, I mean, I know I've, exp- I've experienced him a couple of times. I mean, you know, as far as something that was otherworldly. But it's just that it's, it's so important that we understand p- being prompted by the Spirit. You have, to ex- you have to practice being quiet. And boy, is that difficult today, isn't it? I mean, it really is. You know, we, we surround ourselves with television. We surround ourselves with the radio. Even we surround ourselves with great worship music. And that's fine. But at some point, you know, you have to just find a place where you just get absolutely alone and do whatever it takes. You've got, it takes time to, to shut your mind off, just to shut it off and to focus. And you need something. It's like anything. You need something to focus on. And I would suggest just, just like, again, I point back to that stained glass behind me, like of Jesus. You know, you need to find something where you can get alone and you can look at something and just stare at it to just... To, to bring your senses together, to, to center on something that makes you simply think on God. Because again, he wants to prompt you. He, he, it's just, it talks about a touch. It's a breath. It's just a, you know, he'll, he'll suddenly, the, the, it'll be that spontaneous something that just strikes you. And you've, again, I taught on the weekend, but you would have heard me teach it before. It says the manifestation, you know, 1 Corinthians 14. It says, the, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. And that was a, a word that really, really helped me way back when. Because when I looked up the word manifestation, it's this Greek word phaneros, P-H-A-N-E-R-O-S. Phos, P-H-O-S, is light. But phaneros, it means, it means a, a flash. It's a flash of light. And it always says in the lexicons, it speaks to, it always says, it speaks to spontaneity. In other words, when God speaks, there's this prompting, there's this breath, but there's this, this, it's a spon, it's something that happens like that, boom. It's this flash of light, pow. And in that instant is revealed to your spirit and to your inner man, Whatever the will of God is, whatever this is, it's important for you. But again, how quickly we can miss that if you don't learn to practice, if you don't learn how to practice the presence of God, if you don't learn how to get quiet so that you can actually uh, expect that, you know, you can ask for that and he will do it. He'll give you that, but you have to understand how it comes. It's a manifestation. It's a flash. Suddenly the answer is there. Suddenly it's there. And the example I always give from years ago is in the States we grew up with, I think they have them still here, multiple choice questions when you were in school, you know. Is it A, is it B, is it C, is it D or whatever. And, and teachers used to tell us way back then and, and still proven today psychologically. And they used to tell us, they said, you know, normally when you have something like that and you look at it, the very first answer that comes up into your mind is correct. And you know what? That's it's been proven to be true like some 70-80% of the time the first thing that comes but again it's when we're dealing with God's spirit God's spirit speaks to you it comes it's it boom it's there but it comes from here not from here but what we do is instantly we shift from what we sense we sense we are prompted we're pricked in our heart we sense something uh, to do this, but then instantly our brain goes to work. And I wonder what, instead of just acting on it. And again, the illustration we used to use all the time because of offerings, I laugh because, you know, often when uh, a guy gets up and he really insists, you know, God, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to give this morning. And we've already had the offering, so nobody sweated, okay? But, you know, and so ask the Holy Spirit right now, what does God want you to give? And boom, you know, let's say this happens, boom, 50 pounds. Well, okay, 50, I see 50 pounds. But instantly what happens then, let's see, but what am I going to do after church? 
Uh, what about that bill? Uh, God, I don't have any gas in the car. And no, seriously, but it's that kind of a thing instantly. And see, all the old saints that you studied, they'll tell you over and over again. It's like they used to say in the miracle meetings of all the old saints that we talk about and love to look at, all of them, almost every minister said something like this. Those who were, the, when a word of wisdom, when a word of knowledge came out, those who are the quickest to respond seem to get the greater miracles. That's what they said. Every single one of them. You study any of the revivalists, what have you, they, have, they say something almost to, to directly to that, that state. The person, and see, that's, I've had to work on that for a long time because, like I said, I've told you over the years, you know, I've got a very quick mind. And sadly, that can be your greatest enemy because your mind goes to work. And God, but I'd send something instantly, boom, do this. And I'd go, <laughs> because I went, you know, I went straight to my head and I was trying to reason this stuff out. So I just really want you to catch that again this morning. Somehow, some way, please do whatever it takes to develop that classic thing we call private time where you get away from everybody. Girlfriend, boyfriend, kids, mom, wife, husband, somehow, some way, because again, it takes practice. And you have to want to do this intentionally. God's there. God has never left us. He's always there. His help is right there. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, all the wonderful promises. But I'm telling you, you have to practice. To You have to practice yielding. And you have to learn how to catch that breath when it comes. Just And again, to me, I, I, that's always ministered so much to me because, again, how quickly I can miss that. I mean, I want... I hope you really want to hear from God. I really want to hear God. I really do. You know, I don't, I don't want to follow Rod. That's where they're, you know, hear me all the time say Rod and God, they rhyme, but that's as far as the resemblance goes, I always say. I want to hear from God. I really do. And I really, really, really want you guys to hear from God. I really want us to understand what this is, what, what's, what happens in all the major moves, of whatever, what's going on now in, in the body of Christ in the world. Is that again, like you see, and it is wonderful what you see in Bill Johnson's church and Bethel and what have you. You know that there's hardly ever any any uh, actual altar calls for healing or what have you. If you watch any of those things and any of the churches that are manifesting all manner of healings, they're no longer, they're not coming up. God's trying to move people's focus away from the dude that's up here to the guy that's up there and that's in here. And see, we got to, this is why when they'll say, okay, you know, Lay hands. I want you to, all of you to turn around and anybody's got an illness or sickness in your body, somebody right around you right now, lay hands on them right now and pray. Because God's trying to get you to understand that he's in you. And see, we don't realize how much we negate the fact that we're always looking up here for some dude up here to wave a wand over you and make everything happen. It's an, it's an incredible fun thing to really begin to study the Bible and really begin to see that Christ is in you. That you too are filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Oh my God, man. I mean, you know, God help us. Father, help us to really rise up. Help us to really, 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 really rise up, Father, and accept the strength of who you are in us. Father, forgive us for so many times calling and asking you to do something for us that you've already done in us. That you want us to reach deep on the inside of us and pull out. In Jesus' name, Father, we simply want to see you glorified in our midst. I want to see you glorified. I want to learn how to make space for you in our worship time, in our prayers, in everything we do, Father. I so desperately do not want to just let this thing become some kind of a ritual. We want you, Father. We want your manifestation, Holy Spirit. We want it this morning. We're not afraid to say we want it this morning. Can you open your mouth and just say we want it this morning and not be fearful? Deliver us from fear, Father, because you haven't given us that spirit. And so we invite you, Spirit of God. We invite you, Spirit of the living God, to move among your people this morning, right now. Right now. We invite you to flow between the chairs and just touch the people. 
we ask you, Holy Spirit, to move upon their lives. We ask you to move into their physical being, their bodies. We ask you to bring answers where they need answers. We ask you to open their ears that they might hear the voice of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. Our attention wants to be upon you and no one else. So help us, Father. Help us as the people. Help us as the church. Help us as the city. Have the manifestation of your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful spirit of love, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I ask you to help us, Father. I ask you to help us, Father. Take us. Take us from faith to faith. Help us not to be afraid of the quiet. Help us just learn how to yield, Father. In Jesus' name, Father. In Jesus' name, Father, help us with this stuff. Amen. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still here. Are you guys okay? Okay. Hallelujah. Is it okay, Is it okay if I read a little bit of word to you? So I'm going to do it anyhow, like I say. You know, next Sunday, Julie and I will be here. Then you guys can rejoice because we're away for three Sundays. And But the church will be in the more than, more than, more than capable hands of Miss Ann Bellingham over here. She and her prophetic gifting and the anointing on her will rouse you to great victories. Really? So that's great. Seriously, I could think of no one I would rather know that's in the pulpit of anything that we have stewardship of over than Anne. And I really mean that. I'm not saying it because she's sitting over there. She's a tremendous well of wisdom. She and Pete together were incredible. Hi, Pete. How you doing? I know. You're kicking it up there. I know. He's telling me to hurry up. <laughs> he always did. He always will. Turn to First John, the second chapter. Um, you know, I, like I said, I've got other things to teach. I've been teaching a few years, but I have a new title for my new, newest album, my newest song. And it's called, I Can't Get Away From Love. And uh, that's, that's just it. It's, it's, uh, it'll be out in about three months. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lucy. I said, I'm going to put... I, I said, I'm going to do music and Lucy leaves. Every single time Lucy's here, when I start to speak, she leaves. I shouldn't be made to feel bad, but I do. I, I don't know. I know I don't dress well. I know I'm not the nicest guy on the earth, but my God, you know, just a... Aww. Not even a little bit more sympathy. You know, it is. It's um, Julie and I both, but I mean, God's love. I mean, how can there be any greater revelation? Honestly, I, everything springs from the revelation of the fact that you're accepted in the beloved. You come to God. He washes away all the sin that your life has ever been involved in. He actually tells you that this sacrifice is so great that you're forgiven for not only everything that you've ever done, but through the blood of Christ, that one sacrifice, because he won't come back and do it again, you're forgiven for anything you may ever do in the future. Now, see, and that's not to give us, again, this sense of I can go and do anything I want and then be forgiven. It, again, is Romans 2, where it says, are you shamefully ignorant of the fact that it's the goodness of God that's intended to lead you to repentance? In other words, the revelation, knowing that God loves you that much, is what's supposed to... Well, what it does, it breaks the power of the attraction to go and do something stupid. Now, we're going to see that a little bit in just a couple of these passages here. My little children, verse 1, Amplified Bible, 1 John chapter 2. 
my little, this is John, the Apostle John, the one that, you know, in the classic picture, Last Supper, what have you, the one who had said, who it is said of at the Last Supper, who he, he laid his head. He was the one that was the closest to Jesus. He laid his head over on Jesus' chest. He said, my little children, I write you these things so that you may not violate God's law and sin. But hallelujah, if anyone should sin, guess what? We have an advocate, a lawyer, somebody that pleads our case. We have an advocate, one who will intercede for us with the Father. It is Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, the upright, the just, who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. And he, that same Jesus himself, is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And this is how we may discern daily by experience that we actually are coming to know him, to perceive him, to recognize him, to understand, to become better acquainted with him. This is how we know. If we keep if we bear in mind, if we observe and practice his teachings, his precepts, commandments. Whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, I'm acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments and teachings, well, he's a liar. And the truth of the gospel is not in him. But he who keeps, who treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected, completed, and reached maturity by this, this, by this truth. We may perceive and know and recognize and be sure that we are in him. He's going to say a little bit more in a bit, but what he's saying here is he said there's something, he said, the way you're going to know that you're in Christ is by this new nature that no longer seeks out sinning. That no longer feels good still when they do make mistakes. But that now there's something in you that just constantly says, I don't want to sin. I hate myself when I do this. Why am I doing that? That's actually a good sign. It's when you have no feeling whatsoever that you are in flat, uh, dangerous territory. But see, this is why those of you who struggle with things and struggle with your mind and struggle with stuff, that's where you need to rejoice. Because if the word struggle is there and the, the desire not to do something, that's a pretty good sign Christ is in you. You're going to have to think on that a while, but we'll get to it. Verse 6, whoever says... He abides in him. Ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he walked and conducted himself. Now, this is John saying, if we really believe this Christian stuff, then there should be a conviction in us that as we start our day, that we have this desire, I really want to walk today like Jesus. I want to be, that's why I want to be slow to speak. I don't want to, I don't want, because in the multitude of words, one of not sin. You know, God's, well, John, John Osteen, all those years ago, he used to say, God's given us two feet. He's given us two legs. He's given us two hands. given us two ears. He's given us two eyes. He's given us only one tongue, but he's put it behind gates of ivory. And we still mess up with it all the time and sin that one member but when God's nature is infused this is what the born again experience really is when God's nature when you become a partaker of God's nature first Peter something happens his nature you know your old man does die again that's part of a of wrong teaching there's still a lot in the church where they tell you that you're dual natured you're not dual-natured if you're born again. If you're born again, you have the nature of God. Now, what you, people misunderstand is they still have bad habits and what have you, but those are all habits of the flesh 
And those are negative things that come from the lack of your mind being renewed. So you still again think the same and your body wants to do the same thing it used to do. But that's why you have to learn how to yield to now the new man. You have to understand, wait a second. See, this is not really something I want to do. I don't want to act like this. I don't want to talk like this. And then you begin to understand as you come closer and know more of the word. It does come down to renewal of the mind of the word of God. You realize you, you're the one that has the authority to say no. You know, again, so many of us, so, so many of us are still waiting for God to boom, do something like that. But again, in most cases, now I'll tell you the truth, it's true in, in history, you know, there are people that have had these divine boom and crack boom, something, everything happened, instant overhaul <laughs> in their spirit and the way they walked and everything else. But that's not the norm. The norm is that you and I apply ourselves. That's why there's, you know, 90% more scripture that tells you, you know, to acknowledge God in all your ways. You know, that you, it's, it's, it's your cooperation that allows alignment with heaven to come. Anyhow, so then he says in verse 7, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment. I'm not telling you something new. But an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the message which you have heard, the doctrine of salvation through Christ. Yet I am writing you a new commandment which is true, which is realized in him and in you. Because, guys, listen, the darkness, really it says the darkness has been cleared away. Here it says, because the darkness, the moral blindness is clearing away in the true light. The revelation of God in Christ is already shining. That's a great scripture we could teach you, take a week on. He said, really, you know, that stuff that you think you're trying to fight has already been dealt with through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. He said, but you have to rise up. But then again, why we come back to the love of God, and while I'll always teach it more than anything. Verse 9, he says here again, he says, whoever says, whoever says he's in the light and yet hates hate everybody know what the word hate you're familiar with it? anybody here ever hated anything i hate spinning being in church right now <laughs> no but whoever hates and it speaks again of this total disregard that doesn't really speak all the time the word hate in the bible doesn't always speak to malice uh, uh, it just speaks to disregard but it said who ever says he's in the light and yet hates his brother his brother christian Born again child of God, his father is in darkness even until now. Now, like I said, you know, you guys all know my story, you know, my testimony, heroin addict, you know, crime, uh, a lot of violence, all kinds of stuff. The way I had the way I lived, didn't want to live that way, but I didn't know any different. All the stuff I went through, I had a lot of hate in my heart. Guy caused my dad to die. I kind of hated him. I planned to kill him. God worked a miracle. The guy, when he came near, I, well, he worked a miracle. He didn't come when he was supposed to, so I thank God didn't kill him. Uh, sadly, a friend of mine did. God, what a life to be delivered from. Anyhow, but I had hate. And this is why over and over again when I was a Teen Challenge, this teacher there, and then when I first came out of prison, I, the very first thing I went to was T.C., there in Riverside, California, there was this guy named Eddie Duncan. Every five days a week, four hours a day, love, love, love. The love of God, 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 the love of God. God loves you. God knows every stupid thing. I heard it a thousand times because I needed to hear it a thousand million times. That you're forgiven, you're cleansed. Hallelujah. It's been washed away. But this thing still remembers. You know what I mean? I still remember the bloody moments. I, I, you know, it's still up there. Now, as years have gone by, it's incredible, isn't it? And a lot of you have experienced the same thing, that what the renewal of the mind really does, where you literally can't remember something that you did or you were involved in. And yet when I used to go back home to my hometown in Bakersfield, and we, I'd see some old guys, or when I used to still go visit guys in prison, and they would remind me, you remember when we did this? Or do you remember when this happened? And suddenly I thought, and it was like literally they're talking about something that was on television. I wasn't involved with that. 
And then all of a sudden I went, oh my God, I was, I was there. <laughs> and you, and it's remarkable to me. See, this is why I so love this book because of what experience, what little experience I've had is just overwhelming to me. You know, to know the stuff I went through and to know that now I, I have the privilege, seriously, to, it's a great privilege to open this book and to be able to preach to people. It really is. It really is. You know, why me? You know, like, but there's a million of me's out there. You know what I mean? Around the whole earth that have gone through stuff a million times worse than I have. And that's what they say. God doesn't choose. Like we spoke over in the weekend, this old quote, God doesn't, doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. You know what I mean? But, you know, to really, it's just over and over again, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. And I had to make a decision. I'm not going to hate anymore. And people say, well, you don't know what they did to me. You know, Julie and I have met with so many people in that classic statement. You don't know what they did. You know what they did to me. You know what they did to me. You don't. And ultimately, I had to come to the place like God spoke to me. He said to me when I said, you don't know what happened. You don't know what happened for me. I mean, my dad died because of this guy. It's I have a right to do damage to him and he said if you say that then he said if you say you have a right for that then he said i have a right to say to you you don't understand why christ died for you just real simple in other words is if he's forgiven you this much you know you know it's forgiveness amen we could teach that every sunday so i had to learn how to get free from hate but listen to what the word says because when you read it it's pretty shocking it says whoever says he's in the light and yet hates his brother, his Christian here. Yeah, it's talking about other Christians. Is in darkness even until now. Verse 10. Whoever loves his brother, believer, abides, lives in the light and in it and in him there's no occasion of stumbling or cause for error or sin. That again is another huge scripture. King James is easy, but it just says whoever loves walks in the light and there's no occasion of stumbling think about walking with god to the point that you see so that you no longer stumble you know it's not stumbling over a block in front of your feet it means to stumble over how somebody offends you or to stumble over how something went, doesn't go like you thought it was going to go and being upset and you begin to complain for the rest of your life He's talking about when you begin to walk in this, when you begin to walk in the love of God, you're walking in light. To walk in love is to walk in light. And to walk in light is to be able to see where you're going and not make dumb mistakes. Is this too simple? Verse 11, but he who hates or detests or despises his brother is in darkness and walking and living in the dark. He's strained and does not perceive or know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And turn to chapter 3 real quick. You know, we could read all of it. I mean, all of First John. If you want to know about the love of God, First John is a book you have to, you need to meditate on forever and ever and ever and ever. And I could start much earlier. We're going to start in verse 8. This is a really good verse to start in. He who commits sin is of the devil. Everybody say hallelujah. That's, that's a good scripture. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Have any of you ever sinned? Then you're of the devil. Uh, this is why it's fun to have lexicons. I remember when I first read that, it freaked me out. I went, he that does not sin, he that sins is of the devil. I said, well, I may as well sock this up right now. Because, you know, I still make mistakes. And I, you know, the word sin, remember, is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. This means to miss the bar. But again, this is where it's, in, it's so important to be a student of the Bible and in all humility to be in a church where you're actually taught the Bible instead of preached at. There's a great difference between just hearing good messages or good talks and actually being taught the book, expository teaching, where you find out <clears throat> for yourself what the Bible has to say. Because what it's speaking to here, it's, it talks about, like I said earlier, about somebody who goes out intentionally. I'm going to go sin. You know what? I'm going to go find some drugs. You know what? I'm going to go find a woman. I'm going to go find a man. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go do something. I am, you know, mm, where there's this intent that's still there. And, you you know, the heart is not. And it's proof that the heart has never been quickened, softened. 
by what the rebirth does when that new nature, whether you understand or not, comes in and that old nature leaves. This is all the difference in the world between somebody that goes, I got to have it. I'm going to find some drugs. I want to find me a woman. I'm going to find me. I don't know what else I can say without getting in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to find what I'm going to find. I'm going to go. I'm out there. I'm looking. I'm. But what you know, it's a, the difference is it says somebody who practices. But I, I would hope almost everybody in here who, and I know that there's two or three of you that still make mistakes once in a while. But every single one of you, I mean, this is what I mean. You, you realize once you begin to see what, God's, what God says and what John, the Apostle John says, what James says, Paul, they, what they all speak to, they, they begin to speak about. It's not that you don't slip up and blow up and mess up and get angry or sin or do something stupid. But it's, it's just that it's because you stumble. In other words, I'm not looking for it. I got caught by it. I'm not looking for it. But I feel—I don't know how to put it because it can sound too soft and I can get in trouble with some of you. If there's that sense of I don't want to, and quite honestly, you're okay. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't repent of stuff. I'm just saying... You, if, if, this, is the, this is when you know that God's in you because I don't, I, I, would, I would hope that none of you practice. I'm going to practice in sin until I get really good at it. You know what I mean? Kind of like Yvette does. You know what I mean? I'm, because you're here, Yvette, I'm going to pick on you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Because I'm, I, I'm going to practice this until I get really good at it. Now, none of you, I think wherever you may make mistakes, I would hope that none of you think like that. You know what I mean? I want to get as good at this end as I can. I want to practice. But no, you slip. You make mistakes. Like I do. Like we all do. Other than Julie, my wife never makes mistakes. By the way, I want to remind you that she spoke a really great message last week. And she spoke before all the public, witnessed before on tape, everything, that she has forgiven me forever. <laughs> that God told her. She, didn't you? You heard her. You all heard her. God told her to forgive him forever. And because I know my wife obeys God, that means I'm free. I don't care what, I don't care what I might do this afternoon. I'm forgiven by my wife. Hallelujah. That's right, babe. Anyway, I just want you all to remember that. But actually, that's the type of what we're talking about here. God's forgiven Rod forever. But do you think that makes me, because Julie said she's, she's going to do her best to do what God told her to do. Because God's, he said, she said, God as for, I, he said, I've forgiven you, forgiven Rod forever. Why don't you do the same? Something that effect. And she said she's working on it. Well, I'm going to help her work on it a lot. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's what's happened. See, uh, God's forgiven you forever. He has. He's already forgiven you forever. But, see, when the light of that hits you, you begin to walk in less and less darkness because you realize there, I'll tell you, you don't understand. The reason that sounds funny to you is because if it does still sound really strange, it's because you don't yet know the power of the love of God. You don't really comprehend the depth, the, the height, the breadth and the depth, you know, the four, four, four dimensions. God's love is four dimensional. We live in a three dimensional world. It's another dimension of, an, there's something so powerful about God's love being shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. I, I, I have to say, it's miraculous with some of the people I've read after in history, but most of us, it takes a while, quite a long while. Some people sadly go to their grave. They never really fully comprehend the fact that they are loved unconditionally by Almighty God. And again, Romans 2, 4, like I said, that, um, that revelation is what keeps you from messing up. Because this is so nice. This is so beautiful. The attraction of this is so great. It's like, again, it's like looking at, like I said, it's like looking at tripe or some kind of, I don't know what, the most horrific, I don't know, dog food in the world and comparing it, like I said, to the 
the prime rib or this incredible T-bone steak. You know, why would you take dog food when you're being offered steak? And that's what God's love does. It, it breaks the power of that. Let me keep reading. Well, let me read verse 6 again. Um, no, where did I start? I'm sorry. Verse 8 again. But he who commits sin, who practices sinning, evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. <clears throat> For the devil has sinned and violated the divine law from the beginning. But the reason, everybody say the reason. We should all know this verse and be able to quote it well, at least this part of it. The reason, in other words, why he came. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to do what? To undo, to destroy, to loosen, and to dissolve the works the devil has done. Hallelujah. Really. Didn't you have to ask yourself the question, was, do we think Jesus was successful in his mission? Really? So you have to make that decision within your own. And was he successful in what he came to do? Was it right? Did he finish the work like he said on the cross? It is finished. Does that really mean? He came to destroy. And it's a wonderful word to look at because it means to obliterate, to nothingness. He came to destroy the works of the devil. But see, in context, John is going back and forth this whole book. The apostle laid his head over on Jesus' breast, the closest to him always, who wanted to cling to him. All he talks about, this is a summary. First John, really, first John, second John, third John, if you read it like in some of the prologues, it says it's like a summary of his whole gospel. And the one thing he's trying to just rip into everybody's lives is this fact that God loves you, man. God loves you. He's destroyed. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. It's not something he's still doing. It's something he has done. It's done. It's done. But see, you've got to let that be done. Verse 9, no one born or begotten of God. Again, see, he says that deliberately, knowingly, habitually practices sin. Why? Because God's nature is now in him. Do you hear me? Because God's nature now abides in him. His principle of life. The divine sperm. I love that. Don't get offended by that. The divine sperm. That's something that brings this new life. It's a brand new birth, man. It's God's love strikes your spirit. Like a man's sperm strikes a woman's egg. That egg that creates a baby. God's word goes kabam into your heart. And begins to form and build and produce and here come the arms and the legs and the head and the heart and suddenly the entire body of love begins to live inside of you and begins to get inside your arms and your head and your heart i mean that's incredible oh well i like it whether you do or not no one verse nine again born of god habitually knowingly deliberately practices sin why because god's nature now abides in him his principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanently with him. And you know what? He can't practice sinning. He can't really practice sin. If you're born of God, you can't go out and practice sin because you're begotten of God. God's in you. Hallelujah. If you've actually said yes and you've actually invited Jesus Christ, not just some... But I mean where that something has struck your spirit. Jesus, I don't understand it all, but something in me believes. I choose. I believe that you really are who the Bible says you are. I really do believe you are the son of God. I don't understand it all. I mean, how can I understand that realm in this realm right now? But I, this is why faith is so absolutely necessary. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But you just start saying, I believe, I choose to believe, I accept you, Jesus. Come be the Lord of my life. Fill me to overflowing and, you know, baptize me in your Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Right. Verse 10. By this, everybody say by this. By this, it is made clear who take their nature from God and are his children and who take their nature from the devil and are his children. No one who does not practice righteousness. He turns the thing right around now. 
You practice living right. You don't just instantaneously live right perfectly the moment you say the prayer. Again, I love the verse in Timothy that we exercise ourselves towards godliness. You exercise yourself, your life. You grow more and more godly because you grow more and more in your understanding. Your mind becomes more and more renewed. And you rise up and you learn more and more of how to say no to the dark and how to say yes to the light. It's it's just that simple. But by this it is made clear to take the nature from God and are his children who take the nature from the devil and are his children. No one who does not practice righteousness, who does not conform to God's will in purpose, thought, action is of God. But neither is anyone who does not love. Like I said, this stuff from the first of my experience when I got saved over and 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 over again, I read First John and St. John. He who does not love, he who does not love, he who does not love his brother in Christ. Verse 11, for this is the message. A lot of people say, what's the main message of the Bible? You know, what is it here? I want to know the psychology. I want to know the philosophy. I want to know... The Bible's pretty clear what the message is. It says, this is the message. Anybody here can read? <laughs> For this is the message which you've heard from the first. What is, what's the message? What's the message? That we should love one another. Oh, how boring. It's the greatest. It, it, God is love, it's going to say in the fourth chapter. And, and I always like when we teach on this, you know, God, how, I always ask, how, how powerful do you think God is? I mean, is God omnipotent? Is he all powerful? Does God have good eyesight? Does God have good hearing? Does God, is God, does God have any wisdom? But God's love. So then... Does, God, does love have good hearing? Does love have good eyesight? Is, is love wisdom? The answer is yeah. He said this is the message, the main thrust of everything. We should love one another. And I'm telling you right now, you and I should love one another. And we should understand what all that means. Verse 12, and be not like Cain who took his nature and his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. And why did he slay him? Because his deeds and activities and works were wicked and malicious and his brothers were righteous. Verse 13, do not be surprised. Okay, now everybody say, I won't be surprised. Do not be surprised and wonder, brethren, that the world detests and pursues you with hatred. Verse 14 is incredible. We could go for a couple hours on this. We know, in other words, this is how you're going to know. The way you know, we know that we have passed over out of death into life by this fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. That's how you know something happens when Christ comes into your heart. Something happens that's so dramatic that if nothing else, guys, you have to hear me. You want to love. I think everybody learns more and more how to love. But you want to because really hatred is a waste of time. Being angry is a horrific waste of time, and it just kills you and messes up your spirit, everything else. Unforgiveness, again, destroys you, all this stuff. And so you don't want to, and that's what he's saying here. He said, we know the way you know, the way you know. I'm changed. Rod's changed. I no longer, I'm not looking for anybody to be angry with. I'm not looking for anybody to hate. I'm not looking for somebody to jump on and, you know, beat the heck out of No, I I don't have that anymore. I just don't have that. We that have passed over out of death into life, we know that we have passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren. But this this part here, he who who does not love, this is a heavy verse, man. He who does not love abides, remains, and is held and kept. He's held and kept continually in spiritual death. Now, I think really I'm going to wind up stopping with this, and I'm going to talk about this. We'll go to the rest of it next Sunday. But uh, let me give you my example of that, the one I've always used. Now, remember in the Bible, the word death never means to cease to exist. 
The word death means separation. And death in the scripture meant to be separated from the presence of God. To be totally separated. This is why when Christ died on the cross, what's so difficult for a lot of theologians and scholars when they come to that part, I forget the terminology they call it, Anne might know. But the whole issue is, again, you know, the fact that when we say that when Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was the first time in all the 33 years that we see listed in the scripture that he ever referred to his father as my God. It was always father, always father, never God. And so what you're taught and what is, I believe is correct is the fact that what happened, it, it just, when he was on the cross at some point, right at that moment before he gives up his final breath, he experiences for the first time, for the very first time, for the very first time in his 33 and a half years on planet, he experiences separation from God, his father. And he cries out, and that's why in Psalm 22 it's prophesied, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And this is why theologians will say, my God, my God, is the, is the cry of a lost man. But on this cross, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And again, he was found separated from the presence of God. Now, this is, it says here that if we do not love, we're bound continually in a state of spiritual death. But the way I want you to read that is separation, where when you voluntarily hate, you voluntarily won't forgive, you continue to be voluntarily angry. You've made a choice to stand aloof from God, and that's silly. I said that's silly. And, it, and there's just all the difference in the world. Now, people say, well, I'm saved. Well, this is the difference. It's like, you see, while the kingdom, the Bible teaches the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light, of course, the kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms. It only teaches two kingdoms. The kingdom of light. Kingdom of light is where God's will reigns. The love of God is the royal law there. Everything is consistent with heaven as we walk in that law. We walk in the love of God. That's what we experience. All of our rights, everything that Jesus paid for, are ours as the children of God. And we can exercise our authority because we live from the kingdom of light. Because we live from the kingdom of God. Remember, God is love. So you can say we live, we live from the kingdom of love. And so we're close. We're there with the presence of God. We have the presence of God. We're not only born of God, but we we have this sense of his presence now. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake unto sin and awake unto righteousness and sin not. I say this to your shame for you have not the sense of God's presence in your life. You have not the sense of God's presence in your life. You have to practice the presence of God. He who does not love is kept in continual separation. And he's kept in spiritual death, a place of separation, because God's love. God can't work where there is unforgiveness. God really can't work where there's anger. God can't work where you're mad. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. He wants you to be in a place of freedom. So the oldest, so your rights, you have all these rights in the kingdom of God. But you don't in the kingdom of darkness. The way the Lord ministered to me all those years ago when I first started teaching all this. He said, you know, the Bible says to walk. It says to, well, basically it says that you can step out of light into darkness. And he said, you know, Rod, he said, I want you to understand when you choose to be, un when you choose unforgiveness, when you choose anger, because it's your choice. Don't tell me somebody else did it. Nobody else made you do it. You're the, you're, you're you know, you are the king of your own life. You can make the decision not to be angry. You can make the decision, I'm going to love. And how much? And I tell you, let me tell you, sometimes loving when you don't want to love, you talk about walking by faith. We've all experienced that. And we want to let everybody around us know, bless God, I'm loving you, but I don't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something like that. But the point is, he said, uh, one step out of light, Rod, is a step into darkness. And he said, it's your choice how far you want to step into that kingdom. But why would you want to get back into the kingdom of darkness? 
And he gave me the old illustration. He said, you're, you know, when I was over here, I, I, when I'd be praying about it years ago, he said, he said, you're an American citizen. Is that right? And I said, yep, I am. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Except now I just go, oh my God. <laughs> but he said, you're an American citizen. I said, that's right. And I said, then bless God. You know, and I, he just, you know, I thought to myself, yes. Yeah. So see, the thing is this. I can go out right now and get in our car, and I can begin to drive on the correct side of the road, which for us is the right-hand side of the road. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. The right-hand side of the road, yes, that's why, you know, the God's at our right hand. It doesn't say he's ever at your left hand. So I'm done. We drive on the right-hand side of the road, and so that's it. But, you know, I could pull out today, I could pull out and get onto one of these motorways on the right side of the motorway, because I've got the right to. I am an American. We drive on the right-hand side of the road. Hallelujah. Amen? Just say amen and amen. We drive on the right-hand side of the road. And, you know, I can get on the highway, the motorway here and start driving. Do you know? It's incredible that the British police would have the audacity to pull me over. And they would pull me over. And I'd say, what are you pulling me over for? And they said, well, sir, you're driving on the wrong side of the road. And I'd go, <laughs> no, I'm not. I pull out my passport. I have my United States birth certificate. Even. I said, look at this. I am an American citizen. I have a birth certificate. I'm born in California. Hallelujah. The golden state, the land where God lives. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. I shall be there in two weeks. Glory to God. <laughs> but, and you know what the cop will say to me? I mean, I can flash my passport, give him proof, give him proof that I'm born in America. But what will he say? He'll just look back at you and say, you ain't in America now, Jack. <laughs> he said, you're here. And here, here, you have to abide by the laws of this land. And God said to me, that's exactly what it's like, Rod. You've got to understand. He said, you can, you're born again. You've got rights in the kingdom. You've got privileges. But the moment by choice, you choose to separate yourself from me by saying angry and being an unforgiveness and not walking in my love. He said, you choose, you choose to separate you choose to step out of the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. And he says, don't you know who is the ruling force there? He's called the devil, Satan. And he said, you can, you know, if something happens to you, whether it be sickness or something else or lack of whatever it is, then you're trying to, you can start screaming, you know, bless God, I claim this in the name of Jesus Christ. Because it says in Mark 11, 23, blah, 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 blah. Or I bless God and I'm exercising my authority. And he said, the devil just look at you and smile. <laughs> he says, it won't do no good, man. He said, those rights work for you in that kingdom, not this one. You really need to hear that. You really need to hear that. I still need to hear that. You've got all manner of rights and privileges in Christ. But dear God, understand this. He who does not love abides, remains, lives, is, is held and kept continually in spiritual death. But again, let that say what it means, in separation. If you don't love, you keep yourself in a place of separation from the presence of God. Hopefully none of you want that. I said, hopefully none of you want that. Amen? So I'm going to stop there. And I just want to ask you, you know, again, in the name of Jesus Christ, to be obedient to the promptings I spoke about earlier of the Spirit. Dear God, you could do this every Sunday, but I'm telling you, don't yield to the desire to stay in unforgiveness. I said, don't do it. You don't have to. I don't care. Don't tell me how hard it is because of what they did to you. Because God will say, don't you know how hard it was for my son to do this for you? You know what I mean? You, you've got no idea. You know, well, you don't know what they did. Well, you don't know what Christ did. So forgive. Let it drop. Drop the indictment. Let it go. Hallelujah. 
whatever. Well, what about them? They're in God's hands. Hallelujah. Bibles, again, Romans 12, one of my, uh, you know, as much as it depends upon me, as much as it says, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. As much as it depends upon you, you can only do your part. You can't do their part. You're not responsible for their response to you, but you're responsible for your response to God. So release unforgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Release anger. Right now. And enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy the joy of the Lord. I will not fret. I will not be anxious. I will not be angry. Now, did I say you wouldn't be tempted? No. No. Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet he was without sin. So, you, you'll be tempted to remember something. The devil will be sure to say, oh yeah, remember what he did. Remember what he did. Remember what she did. Remember what she did. So that you can pull back and go, yeah, the rat fink. You know what I mean? And forget about it. He wants to pull you back. He wants to seduce you back. He wants to take that thing that's worked for so many years you know, and just get you back to a place of unforgiveness. But this is, again, why you need to just bold up, man up, woman up, whatever, and say, no, I don't care what anybody else does. I choose life. I refuse death. I choose life. I choose life. I choose to be free from anger. I don't care if they're yelling in my face. I don't care if they slap me like the Bible says. I'll turn my other cheek. I mean, man, it takes faith. I've had to do that physically in San Francisco once. It takes, it takes faith, man, when you want to respond and you know you can respond. But you just learn. It's just something that you, you make the choice. And again, it becomes easier and easier and easier. That's what you have to understand. I know how difficult it is. I said, I know how difficult it can be. But the reward of walking in kindness, the reward of being just courteous, the reward of being thoughtful, the reward of just being Christ-like, of being gentle, tender, the reward of forgiving, the reward of just walking in the love of God is so flipping much greater that you realize whatever price your soul might have to pay to release that anger, that unforgiveness. I mean, I, re, I, I don't want to be found separated from his presence. I'm not saying I feel his presence every single moment of my life. But one thing I do know, I know how to, I, I know he's there because the Bible says he's there. He's never going to leave me. He will never, ever, 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 ever depart from me. I will not, I will not, I will not ever, ever leave you helpless. I will never ever, ever, ever forsake you. So that's true. But to know what the book says, to know that if I walk out of love, to know if I practice sin, to know if I want to enjoy my anger. Some people get a warped sense of value from being angry. They have a warped sense of value for holding on to unforgiveness. Marks their whole life. So, I mean, heavy things like being abused. There's some heavy things. But this is why you've got to tell people, I don't care what's happened the power of release comes from forgiveness. You just have to let it go. And I can't. Yeah, you can. You just say, that's dead and gone. That's history. And I'm not going to keep relating to it like the book of Hebrews says. If you continue to talk of things that happen, you continually create room for that stuff to come again. My God, let it go then. You know what I mean? Why create opportunity to go through that again? So we thank you this morning, Father, just for your great love permeating every aspect of our being. We thank you that you have freely, it says, forgiven us. And we thank you, Father, that you have imparted to us your divine nature. That the divine sperm has come into Rod Anderson's heart and began to grow and take form. Hallelujah. Take form. Soon there were skeletal parts, then flesh parts, then organs. And that's, God, please help us to see it. It's, it is a process. 
but it happens. And we get more and more and more God inside minded. Love inside minded. And I pray for every single person here, Father, that somehow they, well, again, will have a personal moral courage to just rise up and do the right thing in their life, to cast away the anger, to cast away the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the resentment. In Jesus' name, we praise you today. Amen? Amen. All right. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 